And now, from the News Hub studios in Auckland, it's time for the Fight Club podcast. Range of those kicks. He's got to be very careful. There you have it, guys. Israel Adesanya, the undisputed king of the UFC middleweights. Uh, UFC 243 is in the bag. Uh, welcome to Fight Club, everyone. Man, we have an undisputed UFC champion. i got to admit, Stephen Foote, who has just got back from Melbourne literally in the last uh, day, uh, that when I started getting into the sport, I thought this day was a long, long way away. Yeah, it was tough to imagine. I mean, who did we have there to root for? Jamie, James Tahuna. Yeah. Uh, but I guess Hunt was a pretty good prospect for a while then because everything anything can happen in the heavyweight division and all that. But, I mean, in terms of a guy who's got such a big future ahead of him who could potentially hold on to that, that title for a long time, establish himself as one of the middleweight, the best middleweight champs. I mean, we might be getting a bit ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. here. But the potential's there, right? Even, even when Izzy stormed onto the scene, you know, beat Rob Wilkinson... Uh, split decision against Marvin Vittori, Brad Tavares. Even when he beat Derek Brunson, you're still thinking to yourself, man, middleweight's pretty stacked. There's still a lot of guys to get through. And, you know, like circumstances kind of helped Izzy out with like, you know, Rockhold losing fights, Chris Weidman losing fights, Jackeré losing fights, you know, um, and, and Izzy winning fights. He's kind of been able to jump the queue because other guys haven't been able to maintain their winning streaks. And he's mm. just he's just jumped the queue through through his own good work, a little bit of good fortune, uh, unbelievable charisma, fantastic ability. And, you know, we have someone now as a country, and you know there's that whole, well, he's from Nigeria. Well, he calls himself a Kiwi. Um, he calls himself a Nigerian. I'm happy with that. And he is the UFC middleweight champion of the world. Insane, right? Insane. I mean, yeah, when I think back to the first time interviewing Izzy and Eugene just before his debut against Rob Wilkinson and Eugene sort of weighing in on him saying, hey, I have no doubt that Israel's going to be the middleweight world champion. Yeah. Back then it was like, wow, okay, good, bold confidence. You liked it. But I mean, look how sure of, you were, uh, of themselves they were back then. Yeah. And it's all come to fruition now. I remember that as well because, uh, you know, it was the first time I met Eugene and, and I, um, I was doing an interview for him for Andrew Gordy's radio show, I think it was. And uh, he said that they felt that Chris Weidman was the only guy in the division that they felt could threaten him because of Weidman's ability to control you. Weidman has very precise, good striking Mm. from a good camp, of course. And yeah, like uh, I mentioned the name Luke Rockhold and and Eugene felt that Luke Rockhold wouldn't be a factor because he questioned his, his, you know, his chin. That was just after the Bisping knockout. So yeah, look, they've been playing this for a long time. Um, Guys, welcome to Fight Club. A very, very... uh, we're very excited, uh, obviously, because, um, you know, Israel Adesanya been a big part of this show over the course of the last year. Obviously, we're big fans of Robert Whitaker as well. I thought he ha- handled that loss extremely well with class and I guess reconfirmed to me why he's such a likable dude. And I would imagine, you know, that that's, this might not be the first and only time that these two guys meet inside the cage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a bit of a blow to Rob's chances. I think maybe he probably goes back in the picking order a little bit now, especially considering how much time he had off and now this loss. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, the class that he showed on accepting that defeat, you know, he came over here and did his little junket a couple of months ago. You know, even just with that hour we had with him in the studio, we were like, wow, I mean, now I'm kind of, you know, torn as to who to yeah. root for. Obviously, it was always going to come back to Izzy. Always. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the class he showed, um, you know, he didn't look completely out of his depth. 
depth. Um, there's, you'd, you'd still fancy him against most of the others in, in the middleweight division, I'd, I'd say. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe we will get these guys again. But for now, I think it was a pretty comprehensive defeat and uh, there won't be too much of an appetite for a rematch. Actually, Kane, a little bit later on the show, just to crack into the state of the middleweight division as it, as it lies at the moment, there's some really intriguing matchups coming up and also what could happen. Okay, so Footy, you were there in Melbourne, uh, you know, very, very jealous, of course. You you got to soak in a little bit of the atmosphere. I think you were, um, you know, at the, the weigh-ins and what have you the day mm-hmm. before. Um, we saw a massive crowd at the open workouts. I think you said you might have missed the open workouts. But just that, missed those, that yeah. looked amazing um, and there was a really cool video of Izzy signing someone's gloves and uh, his own gloves and giving it to yeah, one of his right. fans, which is really, really cool. But what was, had UFC, because it's a week removed from the AFL Grand Final, so that has been put to the side. The yeah. Melbourne Storm were out of the NRL, you know, of course. So And even <laughs> then, they struggled to get headlines. Exactly. Had the UFC taken over Melbourne? Yeah, it's fair to say. I mean, the advertising for it was everywhere. And um, the, the UFC did a great job that fight week. They had a lot of nice little events going on. Um, during the weigh-ins, you know, they had like a great fan experience outside where you could sort of, you know, test your punching power against UFC fighters. They had, you know, cool. stand-ups. Um, you know, you can go and have photos with you, what, whoever you wanted, what have you. Lots of cool little interactive things. Oh, they had a belt there. You could go and have your photo with the belt. Awesome. Insane cues for that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the weigh-ins themselves, just absolutely packed with people, you know, like sort of 9.30 a.m. on a on a Friday, I think it was. Kind of strange. But um, yeah, I was, and the partisan support for Rob, I mean, I was really surprised how... Well, I mean, you know, you're in Australia. You've got to expect there's a lot more mm-hmm. support for Rob. But, I mean, there was actually quite a bit of hostility towards Israel, which I think has been building for a while now. You know, people, the Australians didn't really buy in. They think, you know, he talks too much, et cetera, et cetera. And you heard that um, a couple of months ago when they had the little teaser press conference over in Melbourne yeah, with some he, of those guys got, got sucked, up during the... He got sucked into it. Yeah. Can, can I ask you this? And I had a friend, a couple of friends who were at the event and they um, they were sitting with a lot of Robert Whitaker fans. With mm. they were sort of sitting in the in that little bowl area on the on the floor yep. floor level. And they said that the first of all the sound you could not. He's watched the pay per view back now, and he said you can't actually judge how loud the building was when you're watching on TV. But mm. he said that I said to him that the that the um, air gets sucked out of the crowd when Whitaker got knocked out, and he said no. He said look, he said Israel got booed on the way out. Robert Whitaker was their hero. But, you know, they almost respected the fact that Israel knocked out their their guy. And, you know, he didn't get booed out of the building when he was giving his post-fight speech. You know, even though he said a couple of things that were probably a little bit disrespectful <laughs> towards Rob. But that's just Izzy. And, you know, we love him for it. But, you know, he, he felt, the, and the guys that he was sitting with, the Australian guys that sitting around him, they were just like, oh, you know, like he, he knocked out our guy. you got to respect that. Yeah, yeah. And the Paulo Costa call out, you know, the Ricky Martin. And, and Costa's hated by everybody anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you, you, I don't know if you... If you if you saw the Q and A with Paulo Costa, but the Australians were just absolutely yeah. laying into him. Hilarious. It was, it was so good. It was so good. Yeah, um, yeah. No, ab- yeah. No, you got a fair point there. And you know, even during the workout, uh, during the walkout, is his little um, dance choreographed entrance. You could just feel them seething. Like, oh my god, is he really going to do this against our boy? Um, and but man, I mean, how much does that speak to his confidence that he's willing to put something correct. like that together? And, and he, worrying about <laughs> putting on a little synchronized dance act before he goes out and fights the most dangerous fighter fighter of his life. And he also knows that. Um, um, like I was reading um, the comments on MMA Junkie live while I was um, doing the live updates here at News Hub. I think I might have been on, on Twitter. Actually, I was on Twitter um, with the hashtag UFC243, and a lot of people were like, oh, my God, this is so cringy. This guy's going to get knocked out. Please yeah. knock him out, Rob. And, mm. you know, Israel put himself out there, and as he said in the post-fat, 
the post-fight press conference, um, easy for me to say, uh, he um, he said, I knew doing this that people were going to want to see me knocked out. I knew that if I did this, I had to back it up because otherwise I look like a complete idiot. He said, but I'm that confident in my ability. I knew I was going to win this fight. I, you know, I did this for my bros. I did this for me. Mm. You know, like this was my show, um, you know, and, yeah. and, as, and as the... Um, uh, I did hear a UFC executive, uh, Dana White, of course, wasn't in attendance, but the executive that was in attendance said he would like to see the UFC open this up a little bit more and, and allow fighters to, you know, main event fighters. He did he did specify that if you're in the main event, then maybe you get the opportunity to express your culture, express something that you love, you know? And I think that's Absolutely. really cool. Yeah, no, they, they really, it seems overdue. You know, we've had a few, there's been a few speculative examples James of James Tahuna? Yeah, 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 exactly. That was the best one, probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, Conor McGregor had Shenando Connor, but I mean, that, that wasn't so much him, was it? That no. was just sort of like a grandiose entrance. But um, yeah, and as he afterwards saying that he actually tried to do it in February as well, but, yeah. they, but they shut him down. But this time around, he was like, hell no, I'm just going to do it yeah and mate i mean like he pulled it off like because he did it and then he backed it up and won yeah um so that that's just added to even more to to his victory and just his all-encompassing stuff sweet and uh sitting cage side for the the four kiwi fights uh any, any before we get to that any any sort of performance surprise you over the course of the the main card i actually thought the card was excellent like you know there was a lot of there was a lot of critique on this card on social media people saying you know this is like literally the worst card of the year like because people don't know who brad waddell is who jamie malaki is you know like yeah. diego lima like you know there's a there was a lot of talented guys on this card like i thought callum potter was excellent and his, his fight was there was there a performance for you that you were like, man, I didn't really know where this guy or girl came from? Well, man, I mean, Jorgen De Castro, that KO yes. of Justin Tupper, that was wow. incredible. Oh, and Spivak as well against Tui Vasa. Absolutely. Man handled him. Yeah. Like, Tui those Vasa had head, nothing. Head and arm throws Absolutely and nothing. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, those judo throws. Like, you could hear the reverberations of the of the mat um, when, when he sort of flicked him onto it. There, yeah, it was insane. Um, but, yeah. I was so hoping for a shoey though. The crowd just was gagging for a shoey yeah. and said Jim- they got a third straight loss for Tuivasa, which is pretty rough. Yeah, he, he's in trouble now. Former yeah. Bellator and UFC commentator Jimmy Smith did a post-fight recap on his YouTube t- uh, page, and I'd recommend fight fans check that guy out on YouTube. He's got excellent analysis. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the best guys in, in the business uh, and, and wasteful not being in the UFC, but he said that you know for him, he sees this fight and he said this is the UFC hand-picking opponent for Tai Tuivasa to break out of his slump and say, yeah. here's your showcase fight. Right. But he said, it well. and, and, and <laughs> he said it completely turned around, and now Spivak's created a name for himself yeah. off Taito Ivasa, and will probably get a top 15 guy in his next fight. So he should. Yeah. Man, that was so impressive. Like, and, yeah, I mean, it's just a shame that it had Tui Vasa had to be the foil for that little breakout. But, um, yeah, in, in general, I thought the fights were pretty good. I mean, I had to pop off to do interviews at certain times, so I didn't catch all of the bouts. I was but impressed I was, with Megan Anderson. I Megan thought she Anderson, was excellent. That was fantastic, the way yeah. she worked that triangle. Her, her corner was actually talking her through every step. It was wow. really cool to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, a few sort of it was, it was a bit of a rough night for the for the Aussies, I guess. Yeah. You know, in, in general, I mean, I know Callum Potter um, got through his fight. Jake, that was, I, that I missed fight, that fight. You didn't miss much in yeah. that fight. <laughs> uh, I know. Um, Jake actually apologised afterwards. He did said, he? "This is yeah." He said, "Look," he said, "I'm really sorry." This is the way that we thought we could win the fight. We knew it wouldn't be that exciting, but this is a dangerous guy I was fighting. We didn't just want to engage with him. We wanted to counter, and we knew that he would want to counter, so we knew this would be a fairly boring fight. But I think for Jake Matthews, he just needs to get his career back on track yeah. um, in that division. So, like I said, you didn't miss much with that fight. All right, let's... Um, oh, Riddell. Riddell. I, was, I, want, I, want, I, want, okay. yeah, I do yeah, want to get to that. Get, so to that. Um, I was hoping you'd, 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 side, you'd sidestep the Kiwi guys. So, obviously, we had four Kiwis on the card, Luke Jamo, Dan Hooker... 
Ezra Adesanya. And let's start with Brad Riddell. He was on the undercard fight of the night bonus against Jamie Malarkey. We didn't know much, really. I mean, neither of me or you have seen these guys really fight before. I've seen a few YouTube clips of of Brad, but God, man, like his his technique is flawless like on the yeah. feet his, his his the way that he kicks his punches he threw this really gorgeous shovel uppercut a couple of times that caught Malaki. Malaki, by the way toughest dude in the building took a lick in and Incredible. kept on ticking uh, and, and I think any other human would have been knocked out in the second round with the offense that Brad was putting on him I think Brad took two or three minutes to settle and then yeah, once he settled uh, and he got rocked a couple of times but he recovered uh, and he put on a he put on a clinic I, I was very impressed with you know obviously he's going to get a, a much higher increase in standard of opponent as he goes along here but again as is with Israel Asanya um, and, and a lot of those city kickboxing guys if you fall into their world which is striking you're going to pay yeah, yeah, no, Brad was really good. He said he, he admitted himself he took a couple of minutes to get sort of settled into it. And Malaki is no joke, man. You know, this guy has actually been really sort of r- r- running through guys in the Australian yeah. regional um, scene, uh, talking to guys over there. So they were they were they knew Brad was up a up for a um, a real test in, in his debut. And yeah, he came through with shining colours. I think he won every round. First round was quite close. Yeah. Um, and yeah, props to Malaki. He ate some huge shots. You know, there yeah. was one at one stage um, when they were just um, lighting up on each other that was sort of a, literally a meter in front of me and yeah. like just hearing the shots man honestly oh, was incredible you yeah. know I had a couple of the journalists afterwards sort of questioning that you know their chosen profession like you know wow what, what are we doing here this is savage you know yeah um, were they from like uh, mainstream Australian yeah, yeah, media Australian, or something yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Nice. guy for the Daily, Daily Telegraph brilliant um, but yeah I mean he looked fantastic and yeah look some of those shots that he put at Malaki would have put out lesser fighters and Brad he just he showed, showed his gas tank down the end there too both of them were kind of struggling towards the end yeah. but as you said afterwards he was just chasing that killer blow he did you know he, he, he Poured it on, Malaki kind of faded, um, and he was able to put a real sort of um, full stop on on his win there. Yeah, and and uh, up onwards and upwards for Brady. He has said he wants to get on the Kaikara France card now. He wants mm. to. I don't know where he's at with injuries. They he took a beating in that fight as well. He, he, he had got, a few cuts afterwards. Yeah, so um, afterwards, but um, and he, he had he that was massive ready. cut over his left. I think it was his left eyebrow. Yeah, yeah, um, which bleeding. which has hurt him in the past. So uh, he'll need to recover from that. I think two, four, five might be a, a short turnaround for him. Uh, but you know, again, the dude has waited his whole life to get inside the octagon, and mm. uh, you know, Ollie Ritchie, who's a former schoolmate of his who works with us here at New Sub uh, he, had, he had some cash on Brad so he oh, was pretty stuff. happy to see the result uh, they used to play rugby together so uh, uh, it was an interesting afternoon here in the New Sub office alright uh, second Kiwi up was Luke Jamo. Uh struggled to sort of implement his game plan like I, I felt like Diego Lima was sort of like I don't know confused Luke and and Luke just mm. seemed um un, like not 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 willing to get it off to get off his offense, but almost like Diego's uh, distance game, his leg kicks, those calf kicks were just. I guess put put Luke off a little bit. Yeah, he did really struggle to deal with the, the distance and those and those leg kicks. Um, it was just a lot of one shot stuff from Luke. You know, he yeah. looked a little bit heavy foot um, heavy in the feet. Yeah. Um, and you know, just sort of lunging in Gun with shy. Sing, lunging in with single shots that. Diego was just deflecting pretty easily. Very underwhelming fight, you know. Yeah. Super, pretty, I'm sure Luke will be pretty disappointed with that. Yeah. Um, and you know, unfortunately, that's kind of been the theme with his UFC career. He has he hasn't really fought in too many barn burners. Yeah. Um, he's not the most memorable guy. Yeah. Um, I know he's off contract now, um, so it'll be an interesting time for him now to see where, see 
whether the USC looks to re-sign him or not. Well, I think what might save Luke's career is the fact that we've now got this boom in New Zealand and they need to, to keep that you level of fighter, right. fighters up. You um, might be right. There's, there's obviously a lot of dudes around the country that will all be chomping at the bit, especially yeah. if, and I'll talk about this with you again later, if we get this cut in, in Auckland uh, in, in the first quarter. I, I thought he was lucky year. to get for it. I thought Jay goes hard done by with the split decision as yeah, well. Yeah, where did that come that from? Was pretty, yeah, um, I, I scored the fight 30-27. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought it was yeah, pretty comprehensive. I, and the Lemurs group, when they walked out, were just spitting tacks at everyone in the media in the front row going, what the hell is that? Yeah, they've yeah. appealed the decision. Yeah. They oh, want, really? They want the unanimous decision back. Hey, fuck, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> yeah, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. They hey, don't want like any that. doubt. Like when you, read, when you read Diego Lima's Wikipedia, they don't want you to think <laughs> that he was in a close fight with Luke Jamar. He had those sure dog fighter profiles, so important okay footy my performance of the night goes to dan the hangman hooker uh you know despite the fact that israel Asanya won a gold bout <laughs> dan for me and I, I said this uh ravinda hunia who works for sky news we know who well she used to work here for news hub she put something up on her facebook page she knows these guys really really well she changed with a couple of them as well she she said you know dan hooker absolute clinic and i said and i want to get your thoughts on this i felt over the course of the three fights the City Kickboxing team, they put on a clinic on coaching, game plan, yeah. implementation of a game plan by a fighter, and cornering your your fighter as well. By you know, look some listen to some of the stuff that Eugene's telling Dan and and the and the breaks about um you know this is what Al's going to do now that we've done this, and that's exactly what Al did. He came out and um in the second round and tried to get more in Dan's face, and Dan was prepared for it. And even in the Israel fight, he told Israel to calm down. You got you know don't go head hunting, don't go head hunting. Yeah. Robert's dangerous. Robert's dangerous and. Uh, I, I was so impressed by Dan Hooker. He, as you know, we're, we're both big fans of Dan. Lovely guy. Uh, does a lot for the sport. Always happy to chat to us. Um, always gives us good content. Uh, and, you know, I was really rooting for Dan. This was such an important fight for him after what happened in the Barboza fight about a year ago. Um, and I, I just thought he put on an absolute MMA clinic against a really, really talented and top 10 lightweight in the world. Yeah, yeah. Master cl- a masterclass from the City Kickboxing guys, as you said. But uh, yeah, Dan, I mean, it was quite surprising to me how big a size difference it was between the yeah, two. It was massive. It was big. And Dan just uses his reach and his length so well. Mm. Like, you know, he he is flat-footed. He does pot a little bit. But, you know, it's all part of his game plan. And I akin to – he was kind of just reduced to lunging in with overhand rights. And he just had no way to close that gap. Um, Dan used his jab really well. As and his also. leg kicks. Yeah, and yeah, he came, he came out, landed those two, three very, very heavy leg kicks. Like, we heard that one. And Al went southpaw. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. couldn't stand on it anymore. So from that moment – you kind of thought, oh, well, Al's on the back foot here already. Um, Dan obviously dropped him as well in the first round. But the a nice grappling exchanges, footy. Like, like, I thought Al would have an advantage there, especially if he got top. But Dan was able to switch him twice and get a dominant yeah. position. Yeah, he was pretty close to finishing one. I think one with the, uh, elbows. the bell, the, the, the round... Did the buzzer sound? I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think there was a gear team locked in at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah second round, just as dominant. Um, uh, he's just such a good fighter to watch. He's yeah. just sh- striking from every angle, and he can use all of his eight limbs at all times. And yeah, as you said, I mean, a year ago, you know, in the in the darkness that came after that Zimbabwe loss, mm. and you know, he uh, talking to him after that, you know, he, he he dismissed it. He said, "Hey, put it put it behind you. That's just a loss. Yeah. It's part of the fight game. You're going to lose so, so that some of these fights every now and then." Didn't let him get get him down, and now look where he is now. Now he's on the top five. Five and one is a lightweight as Five well, which is a, which is an oppressive record. He's moved up to number seven on the official rankings. Yeah, you know, and he's 
the call out. Call out a awesome. I mean, that's the way to do a call out. You know, don't talk about the fight. Do the call out and then walk out of the cage. That was a mic drop, man. Like Dustin Poirier had to acknowledge that, and he did. He said, "Hey, fight Cowboy next," which we would happily take in Auckland. I mean, that's a main card, right? Yeah. Um, We've I've heard some other things about maybe Islam Makashev, uh, people along those lines. But the like, uh, I saw this on on Twitter last night. Makashev's the only guy to respond to Dan so far and Mm. say, "I'll fight you." The problem, and and Dan said, "Look." let me get this card out the way and then I'll happily come to Russia and beat you up in <laughs> Russia. But I think Dan's point is, and I've seen uh, you know, Christopher Reeve from the Herald comments on it, I commented it as well on Twitter uh, and a couple of other people, is that Mark Chev's not a big enough name to main event a pay-per-view yet, whereas Dan has mm. just been an ally of Quinta. He's big enough to, na- to main event this card in New Zealand. He, he's the longest-serving New Zealand localized fighter inside the UFC. People know who he is. Uh, and a Donald Cerrone or a Paul Fowder or a Dustin Poirier... Um, I think Justin Gaethje's name's been thrown around as well. I think that's probably the least likely of those options because Gaethje's, Gaethje's in the best higher. spot right now mm. to get a title fight after Tony Ferguson. Uh, those are the guys that make sense uh, uh, to me. There's some talk that Fowler might rematch Edson Barboza again because of the really close decision that time out. Maybe e- maybe even Edson Barboza Dan Hooker rematch potentially is on the card, but Dan deserves... Don't want that. No. Dan, <laughs> des- Dan deserves uh, like the Fowler Cerrone. Uh, Donald Cerrone, to me, makes the perfect sense... For Dan, and you know that if Dan Hooker mentions the name Donald Cerrone in his mouth at some point, Donald yeah. will Donald will he respond. He won't back down. It's no. pride. He'll accept that fight. And I mean, he, he does seem to like this part of the world. He does. He yeah. likes getting out and about. You know, he. he there's no problem with send him to Queenstown for a week and do some adventuring exactly yeah. I mean it's just the perfect um, sort of formula there for, for a headliner if we can't get Izzy of yeah. course which is which is, is looking unlikely now Now, for those that don't know guys in the post fight presser um, Israel was pressed on that where do you want to fight next and he originally said I want to fight in New Zealand well maybe Africa maybe in Morocco uh, maybe Dana wants me to fight in Africa's Vegas Africa's a pipe dream yeah, never going to happen exactly yeah. I, th- I think he's right though I think Morocco is the one place that probably could host um, a UFC event but the yeah, political yeah. nature of Nigeria Nigeria and all South Africa could potentially host a card. They've done big boxing cards in the past, so mm. that's a potential venue. Lennox Lewis um, fought Hussein Ruckman in South Africa, so that's a potential uh, um, fight fight destination um, in the future. But both Izzy and Dan pointing towards this. Um, we'll get to Israel's fight. We haven't forgot about that, folks. We'll get to it in a sec. But I want to talk to you, Fully, because you were there. Uh, both Izzy and Dan suggesting, um, and I'm assuming they've had this word from the UFC that there's going to be a card in, in Auckland potentially first quarter next year, hopefully at. Uh, Spark Arena, of course, uh, and Dan's a headline. I think even Izzy said it'll probably be a fight night, which means that he will be not on the mix. Exactly. I can imagine you could do something where Izzy has a showcase and gets presented to the fans, you know, in the octagon. Hey, guys, this is our UFC middleweight champion. You could do something like that. But yeah, um, uh, Dan yeah. Hook is at the point now where number six, number seven in the world, he can legitimately headline a paper, uh, headline a fight night event. Yeah, fight night is, is definitely the most realistic. And I know Dana told us, you know, last week that you know, hey, we can take a pay per view if he's the champ to New Zealand. That's fine. You know, I put that, I put that to Dan at the media day on Friday, and he was sort of like, well, you know, Dana says a lot of things and had a good laugh at that. I so I think they're under no illusions as to what we, our realistic expectations should be. And no one, no, no Kiwi fight fan is going to shirk at having a USC fight night. How's no? No one really cares. I mean, it's a pay per view. Why? Yeah, you know, um, but yeah, if, if Dan's headlining that, fantastic, and obviously we'll be able to get that card stacked full of Aussie and New Zealand fighters. Can I throw this out here? Uh, what would make this card work for me is having Robert Whitaker in the co-main event. 
and you put Whitaker, oh. you put Robert. You, so you have Dan Hooker in the main event in a you know like a title advancement fight against the Paul Fowler or Donald Cerrone, and then you have Robert Whitaker against a Jared Cannonier or uh, a Jack Hermanson or you know like one of those mm. one of those guys that are coming off. Well, Cannonier is obviously coming off an impressive win streak, and Cannonier on the Arrow Hawani podcast on Tuesday said that Robert Whitaker is his preferred fight. That's Shh. who he wants to fight. That's he, a tough. He, res- he respects. He respects um, Robert Whitaker immensely. He respects Israel Asanya immensely. I know Israel Asanya had some really nice things to say about Cannonier at the press conference as well. Uh, but yeah, um, or potentially the winner of Darren Till and Calvin Gaslam, which is not that far away if there's a, if there's a turnover there. And Whitaker and Gaslam need to do battle at some point yeah. um, after that. But you know, I don't know if Whitaker would would be would be able to turn that around. But to me, that that's the top of the card, and then it really doesn't matter who you put on. If you have like the card on the weekend, if you have two intriguing. Uh, feature bouts it really doesn't matter who you put on um, from fight number three to fight number 11 if people have those two main fights to look forward to then it's a fantastic card which I think we had in Auckland last time um, you know when we when we had a you know Hunt and Lewis and then there was a good co-main event um, on that card as well and Dan fought on that event mm. so that I think that to me makes sense I still think Rob you know that the USC probably still sees him as a pay-per-view guy and I think they probably want to keep him on these Australian cards you know yeah. there's already rumours you know they've got the Auckland next year but you know there were rumours that were going to be a Sydney and Brisbane card as well sometime Sun Sage this year they've obviously gone all in on this Melbourne card yeah. but I'd expect there'll be another one in line next year as well um, so maybe that's where they want to keep him Um but yeah, as you say, I mean, just anything, anything. We, I mean, as long as there's Kiwi headlining it, I mean, it's going to pack out. Um, Adesanya may be a bit of a stretch, obviously, but hey, we'll see. We'll see what we can come up with. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen to the Fight Club podcast. Uh, all right, footy, the main event. Uh, Israel Adesanya def- uh, defending his interim <laughs> middleweight championship against the <laughs> undisputed middleweight champion Robert Whitaker uh, at the time. Uh, now Israel Adesanya holds that um, title as the undisputed middleweight champion of the world. Uh, it's, it's weird, you know. He's fun. Technically, he actually holds holds two interim belts. Yes, because, because Whitaker never actually won the, the official one. He got it because Saint Pierre handed the title over to That's the UFC, right? right? And then Romero missed weight, so it was a non championship belt. Yeah. So it's, essentially, it's two interim titles merged yeah. together. Yeah, and he's talked about being the double interim champion. <laughs> yeah, which is, always holding both belts up, which looked pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talked about this last week. We 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 felt that the fight could go multiple different ways. I don't. I didn't foresee the fight going as it as it went. I didn't think Robert would be as aggressive as he was. I thought he might be aggressive from a wrestling standpoint, but I don't think he dropped. He fainted a couple of times low, but as he didn't fall for it, and at that point, I think Robert just like oh, I need to knock this guy out. I want to. I want to put something to you, and I want to get your thoughts on this because uh, you know respect your opinion. Watching that fight, I feel like. Robert Whitaker and his team felt like they couldn't win a five-round stand-up fight with Israel Asanya, so they decided they needed to get him out of the ring octagon as soon as possible because Robert doesn't fight like that. We've seen in the past Derek Brunson bum-rush Robert Whitaker and pay for it. Robert Whitaker fought very smart against Yoel Romero, didn't put himself in bad places against Yoel Romero. Same with his fight with with um, with Jacare Souza. He, he's a smart fighter, and when you're fighting a pinpoint striker like Israel Asanya, I don't think that was the best game plan in the world lunging in with your left hook and obviously Robert has the confidence that if I connect with my hands or my feet on this guy's chin he's going to sleep and that's you know that's admirable but I just felt to me like their game plan was 
we can't win we can't beat this guy in five rounds he will outpoint us so we need to finish yeah, him yeah no you got a point there and I think I think some of that possibly was influenced by what they saw with Gastelum against Adesanya when yeah. Gastelum was able to close that gap and they saw how much success he had fighting in the pocket there but he did it in a different Adesanya. way didn't he Gastelum like, he did he, he set it up a lot better he took, he he just took had the one better striking. to get two he had the better boxing he had the yeah. jab that could set it up but I think but Whitaker was strange it seemed like he was just lunging with overhands constantly they were just catching um, Israel was able to duck out of the way and, Rob, and Israel's footwork was just too superior like he, Rob's he was jab out of was good though he landed a couple of jabs he like if, if he'd established jabs. that more he might have had a lot more success because when he did land the jab he rocked his head back a couple of times but yeah I just think he got obsessed Maybe with the knockout hungry trying to catch the, I need to watch it again to be honest because I only saw it um, for the, I've only seen it once live but it did seem like as he was out of the way with like Whitaker was swinging yep. at a lot of air in that first round um, even though he was the aggressor I've seen a lot of people say that Whitaker won that first round well until he got dropped right Correct. at the end I, 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 would, I was comfortably ready to score a 10-9 to Whitaker in that mm. first round comfortably until, and there's an argument he was winning the second round until he got knocked out as well because as he didn't do much he didn't have to do much because he was avoiding, and he was landing some nice kicks. He was landing a few counter rights, counter lefts, um, and he was starting to pick the pace up mm. um, about a minute and a half before the knockout was when Israel was starting to show Robert Whitaker different things yeah. and different angles. I think he started to get Whitaker's timing a little bit. Absolutely. Like he could see what was happening And Daniel was Cormier in. alluded to that in confidence. He said, he said, John, Robert needs to be very careful here because Israel's starting to time yeah. everything that well, he's it was doing. All, it was all counter-based punching, wasn't it, from, yeah. from Israel? And he was having heaps of success for it, quite a bit more in the second round. And, yeah, it was, it was so strange, wasn't it, when he dropped them at the end of that first round. I mean, there's confusion throughout the building. Everyone was there was like, confusion wow, is, in the office, yeah, mate. Is that yeah. the end of the fight? <laughs> and then... You know, as he mentioned afterwards, he was like, "Well, I kind of thought it was the end. If it, you know, I should have jumped back in there and and, and thrown another couple of punches, and maybe then um, the ref would have waved off the bell." But- the knockdown literally. Robert Whitaker's head hit the mat as the bell went, so yeah. or the siren, so there wouldn't have been a chance for follow up pu- punches. Well, a la Dan Henderson. That was Henderson. a reality check for the building man. Like it sucked a bit of wind out. People were sort of like, "Wow, sit up and take notice a bit." Um, a lot of aggressive <laughs> abuse being yelled at Israel like, really? from around, and people, you know, come on, Rob, knock this. F his head off Rob yeah. and people were actually literally walking up to the side like you know through the middle of the rows just so they could have the opportunity to, to yell something in between rounds to them yeah. which I thought was quite funny just <laughs> like yeah some some super yobbo behaviour going on but um, I, I and this is where I feel Israel has a massive advantage and I think he's going to have it in the Paulo Costa fighters I don't think the fans and I also think this sneaks into his opponents I don't think they respect his abilities because he's from New Zealand you can't wrestle in New Zealand there's much better kickboxers in Brazil and Asia and you know like uh, you're nothing special and I, I think I think Israel benefits from that like I, I'm convinced that Paulo Costa thinks he's going to walk right through Israel Asanya and that Israel can't handle any of his offense yeah I'm convinced yeah. of that well I'm I, yeah I mean you heard him say afterwards is you know, people. Someone asked him, "Was Costa a bigger challenge than Rob?" And he said, "How no. no?" You yeah. know, like, and you know, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think Paolo will struggle. I mean, he's the same sort of aggressive style, and I can see is he using that counter striking as well to his advantage. Again. Costa has a five minute window to to, get, <laughs> yeah. to win that fight. That's it. That is it. He cannot win yeah. the fight after five minutes because yeah. if as he figures him out. He's in for a world of, of jazz. I actually think that Romero or Cannonier are the biggest obstacles for Izzy. Okay. And it's fantastic that in all this 
talk about John Jones as he is staying resolute and saying, hey, I've got to clean out the division first because yeah. that's how you establish your legacy. You clean out the division and then you look for the super fights. You don't chase super fights and leave all these guys who are genuine contenders yeah. um, you know, waiting around because in, in the end of the day, it's not going to look as great on your record. I also think he's getting sick and tired of being asked about John Jones. Yeah. Like, like, and look, John Jones's critique is that this guy brought my name up first, but that's because Israel was asked about John Jones first. And Israel, as we know, footy, He's not shy of a word, and I, I would imagine that during the week he was probably asked as many John Absolutely Jones questions as he was asked Robert Whitaker questions. That was questions. what he was. He was talking more about John Jones in the in the media scrum on the Friday. He was talking more about John Jones than he was Robert Whitaker. Yeah, and you know he sat there and held court for probably about forty five minutes. And you know reporters are coming and going. It was tough to even get in close to him at one stage. But he would have t- he would have answered the same question about John Jones at least four or five times. Yeah, and and the crux of it was, hey, you are the one. You guys are the ones that brought it up. Yeah, and, you know if you media were asked me about it his name wouldn't even be in my mouth and he shut down someone who actually asked asked about John Jones in the post-fight conference said no no we're not talking about him now you know yeah. this is his moment here where we're talking about this fight and his championship and good on him yeah and uh you know Jones has, has said a few things and, and Israel kind of alluded to Ariel Hawani yesterday um on the Ariel Hawani podcast that uh you know John Jones is jealous, man. Here's this freshman who's come in, who's getting all the media attention. And unlike Conor McGregor, the chances of a of a Jones versus Adesanya fight are actually realistic because only one weight class separates them. So, mm. you know, he didn't call out Conor McGregor because the chances of them fighting were, were slim to none. Um, whereas John Jones is like, actually, I can fight this guy. I can make some money off this guy. And, and John Jones is a smart guy. Uh, and I, I think there probably is a little bit of professional jealousy in there because I don't think that John Jones feels like the UFC have ever quite put that marketing buzz behind him. Now, yeah. I don't think he's deserved it for all the bullshit that he's done off outside of the cage, but I think there is a little bit but, but, bit of jealousy there. We've seen it in the past with Cormier. I think John Jones is very much... Uh, very much driven. He's the alpha, isn't he? And and I think Izzy's yeah. an alpha as well. So naturally, you're going to have that clash. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, as he said on Friday, um, I wrote about this. He, he, you know, he makes a whole analogy about how he's the new kid at high school, and John Jones is a bit jealous. Like, who's this guy strutting around, thinking he's all that? I'm Correct. the king, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but later on in the same conversation, he's saying, well, you know, I kind of appreciate what he's doing. You know, he's marketing. He knows what he's doing, and I appreciate that. And that fight's going to be there. Yeah. You know, he's he's already said 2021, the Raiders Stadium, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, um, and he he knows that it's smart for him to keep John Jones's and his name together in the same conversation because yeah. eventually it's going to pay off big time. Espe- yeah, especially if if they both keep winning. Uh, you know, even if they don't, I think you can market that fight. Even if as he loses his bout, he can jump up to two hundred five and challenge yeah. Israel for the title. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, John Jones for the title. Um, so you're, you're over. I guess your your overview of of the thoughts of of the event of um of, of the UFC. Uh, bonanza that it was, of course. Like, what, what were your, what yeah, were your, I mean, it did takes? feel like a special occasion, you know. Like, it wasn't just another USC event, um, you know. And it was a special vibe in there, man. Like, you could feel the fifty-seven thousand people. You know, there was a smattering of empty seats at the top, but then you got to take into account all the ones on this on the floor. And man, uh, there was a fantastic buzz. Um, the fans came out all week. It was it was great. Um, and then all the fights delivered. At least the main events did. And you know. From a Kiwi perspective, I mean, this is a landmark day for New Zealand MMA. This is what we've always dreamed of. This, you know, we couldn't have scripted this day much better. Put it that way, right? I mean, Riddell on the undercard, getting the fight of the night. You know, getting that performance bonus. You know, what Dan did, leaping all the way out to the top of lightweight rankings, and mm. and Israel becoming the undisputed champion. I mean, this is this is how I pictured it going. This is how I wanted it to go when I when I. 
decided that I was going to go to Melbourne. <laughs> Obviously, I never would have missed it for anything. But, you know, from my perspective, it was absolutely incredible. And, you know, it's tough because on Media Row, you've got to be impartial, man. You can't be one of those guys who jumps up, cheering, even giving a fist pump. I've got a great like story that. about that that so, I can tell you when you finish So, this. I mean, you know, you're doing a little fist pump under the table or you might just be like, yeah, yeah, you know, and you, but you, you're trying to keep even keeled the whole time. And it's tough, man, because you're kind of invested in these dudes. You got to know these guys. And, um, but man, it's just, just a great sense of pride in there the entire day. And, um, you know, afterwards awesome. as well, you know, had a bit of a chance to soak it up and, and sit back and think about it with some of the other media guys that were there. And yeah, I mean, everyone acknowledged it was a really special event and it, it really did deliver on the hype, you know, and Israel delivered on the hype. I, um, I was cage side for the first UFC event in New Zealand, which was Mark Hort versus Tahuna, mm-hmm. um, where Dan Hooker made his debut actually. Um, and I was sitting in the second row of the media row next to Nate Rarade from uh, Radio Sport. Um, back mm-hmm. then, I think he was working for Multi TV, and Dan was fighting Ian Entwistle, and we didn't we didn't know the rules, debut, man. Right? Yeah, we didn't know the rules, man. We didn't know that you couldn't jump around like a mofo. <laughs> and Dan gets the get, the end whistle gets that leg lock in. Dan starts unleashing elbows, gets the knockout. Me and Nate are like, yeah, jumping up out of our chairs. And then the like media comms guy came around and goes, "You guys need to sit down, or we're going to have Ooh. to remove you from the building. Like, you can't show any bias towards the fighters." Oh, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. Man. I was actually really conscious of it this time because you know I was right at the front. Um, just a couple on TV. From, oh, just a couple of removed from the old, the famous blue polo of John Morgan. Yes, we saw that. Um, and there were just some guys who, who looked sort of um, authoritative, official. Offic- very official, yeah. black suits alike. And every time I reached for my phone, you know, I was making sure I was only taking photos between rounds. Yeah, you know, what have you? But you know, when the walkout started for um, Izzy and, and Rob came right past us, you know, I looked behind me, and every single guy's up <laughs> taking photos, <laughs> etc. You don't want to be doing that during the fight. That's a bad look because the yeah. camera's going to catch you. But um, I mean, yeah, no, just beyond simply a journalist perspective as a fan i mean it was just awesome. incredible all right uh just a couple things to wrap now both you and myself we cringe at the word halbergs like i, I think both of us like a sort of like ah halbergs get talked about too much well, at the end of the day it doesn't really mean shit but um i guess for mixed martial arts if israel adesanya can win the sportsman of the year award that's almost like a justification moment for us fight fans that <clears> he's been recognized on a global scale and like uh we talked about this in the office um on monday you weren't here of course and andrew gordy and ross carl and you know like some pretty experienced um, members around the office eric young uh who of course is a very esteemed journalist and they're all in agreement that there's really no other answer you've got kane williamson <laughs> And for sportsman, and maybe Scott McLaughlin if he wins Bathurst, the uh, mm-hmm. supercars driver. Aside from that, Tom Walsh won bronze at the uh, at the World Championships. There haven't been a lot of great feats from sporting men this year. And I guess if the All Blacks win the World Cup, then maybe Kieran Reid or whoever stars for the All Blacks in the World Cup, and that's probably where the judges will lean. But as Brendan Telfer told News Hub today, if you've got a New Zealander in a global event that fifty-seven thousand people have come to watch, and he yeah. wins a world title on that event, then he most definitely gets put in the conversation yeah. not to mention the pay-per-views you know yes um and yeah absolutely man i mean wait was joseph parker nominated for Halberg? he was he lost out to tom walsh oh gosh oh, yeah because yeah, shot putting apparently is more important yeah. than a heavyweight boxing i mean I, I can't i can't believe as he can't really imagine israel cares that much about it. i think i think i asked him about this earlier this year and he says i think he referred to it as the halsbergs yeah and he said you know it'll be cool kind of shrugged it off in his classic israel way uh, eugene was obviously on the long list for coach of the year he should be up for coach of the year yeah as well um you know if the all backs win the world Cup, i think nolan taru has got that on lock ah uh, yeah you're probably but right. i think eugene should definitely be in the mix footy absolutely but yeah that's probably one thing we haven't spoken about is how big a star israel is now and is he new, new zealand's i think on a global scale he is new zealand's biggest sporting star can i can i who is can a I, rival is it Stephen Adams? As, is as Stephen Adams star? the main way? Yeah, well, Joseph Parker was in the mix when he was, a, was a heavyweight champion, but uh, not look anymore. Look at his Instagram reach. He's almost uh, 2 million followers Absolutely. Now. So um, on Sunday, 
Google Trends, which we obviously use here mm. as a digital team, Israel Adesanya was trending higher than the All Blacks and the Rugby World Cup. There you go, yeah. Um, on, on Sunday. In New and, Zealand, though? Yes, yeah, and yeah. worldwide as well. So, really? um, yeah, so that's... In New Zealand, he wasn't trending as high as the All Blacks, but worldwide he was, and worldwide he was trending higher than the Rugby World Cup, um, and also in New Zealand he was trending higher than the Rugby World Cup. So that just gives you a little bit of a scope. Google Trends obviously is a parameter that we use um, to see what, what stories we should be um, mm. talking about on, on our website. So I think I think that's pretty huge, and I think, you know, I don't know if he's going to win the Supreme Award. I think someone like Lisa Carrington, who smashed everyone at the, at the you know, but, you know, how many exactly it's boring oh but my, no you one know, cares about kayaking man yeah but there's just a few people that i know that are on the judging panel that i used to pull my hair out as you can see i don't have much left when i was at nz me um who pulled the whole it's not a sport it's, it's glorified prison violence and they still believe that so yeah i, well, I and, and they're rugby heads and i think that if they came down to Bowden barrett or israel Asanya or lisa mm-hmm. carrington and israel Asanya, they're going to lean towards lisa yeah, carrington I mean, and that's the, Hel- the problem yeah well i mean i guess but at least the Halbergs have shown that they're going to acknowledge the sport right with, with, with eugene's nomination correct and i mean people are just going to have to suck it up because it is going to be part of the mainstream now and a lot of people are just going to have to change their attitudes mm. to that and i think as he's done a lot to show people that hey how legitimate the sport is how popular it is on a global scale yep. and the numbers don't lie man i mean no. look at look at the fifty-seven thousand, the pay-per-view buyers alone like, there was eight million people on the gate i mean we don't know i'm not too sure what the pay-per-view numbers were yet but um you know it, the, yeah the, the numbers don't lie and that's right also a genuine global star he's one of the biggest stars in the ufc yeah, there's 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 two people ahead of him maybe, and one of them doesn't even fight anymore. And I'm, yeah. I've got John Jones in that conversation. I, I think it's Khabib and Izzy. Yeah, so I really do. And uh, yeah, so I mean Connor's still got the name value value as well, but he's just so he just hasn't fought for so long. He's still got the pulling power that he you know he would be able to fill a stadium. I'm not I'm not too sure who else would be able to fill a stadium. It's Connor and it's, it's Izzy, Izzy and Connor and Connor um, are the only guys that are filling stadiums. Or if Ronda came back. That's never going to happen. She's I know. gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Quickly before I go, uh, I did text you about this on Friday or Saturday. Oh, Cain yeah. Velasquez <laughs> made his WWE debut on SmackDown on Fox, their big launch, which got over 2.9 million viewers in the US, which is massive. Uh, Brock Lesnar regained the WWE title. Totally hasn't held for a long time because he was Universal Champ, of course. Beat Kofi Kingston in eight seconds. Um, and then Cain Velasquez, there's a whole storyline going on where Brock Lesnar beat up Rey Mysterio and his son. Um, and obviously we know Cain Velasquez is Mexican american um so ray brings out kane he takes down brock beats the shit out of him and then brock rolls out of the ring so kane velasquez by all accounts has signed um a small contract like as in a small dated contract with wwe they've got a big event coming up in saudi arabia where i'd imagine kane's going to collect a million dollar payday us for that one event and he will be quote unquote fighting brock lesnar for the wwe championship in saudi arabia is that, is that official? Do you think that's going to happen? It's going to happen at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia next month. And a lot of people think that the UFC will put the strap on him um, because A, they want to keep him away from All Elite Wrestling, which is their new competitor. And, and B, Cain Velasquez has a massive Hispanic um, following. And I've seen him in the ring in AAA. He was unbelievable, like for a dude that has a busted up knee. Uh, you know, the only thing that's against him, and there has been talk that's come out in the last couple of days, is that Vince McMahon thinks that he's what he calls skinny fat. So he's he's not fat, but he's a skinny guy that has loose skin, and you know Kane's, Kane's never been uh, defined. They want the hero and when you look at Brock Lesnar, that dude is jacked. Yeah, so yeah. you know, so that that's the only thing. Oh, that's, mate, once he starts getting in those wrestling supplements that all those wrestlers are taking, he'll be sweet. Correct, mm, correct. Yeah. He's out of the Usado pool, so he yeah. is. I guess he's temporarily retired from mixed martial arts for now. So 
Incredible, but, man. Yeah. You called it, man. I, I didn't did. think it was going to... Um, I didn't think it would happen so to Soon Footy. I didn't either, but uh, I think he's he's got a taste for it. He doesn't have to put his body through the punishment of, of fight camps. doesn't have to cut weight. can put on weight if he wants to um, and, and gets to travel the world um, performing for a living in front of fans that appreciate him. He doesn't have to get punched in the face. Yeah. Hey, that's the one. It is a win. Uh, Footy, this was a pleasure and a lot of fun. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, JJ versus uh, Michelle Waterson this weekend. Should be a great fight. Jo- um, Joanna and JJ. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, so that hey, is a title of the lost in the, um, oh, JJ. the Hullabaloo. Yes, JJ Wilson. JJ Wilson, 4-0 and now. Another first-round finish in Bellator on Saturday. So um, we'll have a chat to him this week, I'm sure. Yeah, and did you see that little sneaky uh, stare-down between Kai Kara France and Henry Cejudo? How good <laughs> yeah, was that? Classic, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Kai, Kai said, I'll new, see you in my future, bro. And, and Kai's um, new, new opponent, Brandon Moreno. Yes. Another big yes. one. He shared, shared the um, room with him. It was actually quite funny. That, that news broke when we were at the media day. Mm. Um, so uh, the Arabella, who we love, the USC PR girl, came over and told Chris and I, so we went up to him, and people in the line ahead of us were like, are these guys asking him questions about Sergio Pettis? Yeah. <laughs> and they were sort of went up and he said no 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 you know everyone's you know i know about brandon moreno they told me a couple of days ago etc right. so we were, we were lucky enough to get in and get his first thoughts on that yeah, one good but stuff on he that. did share the um octagon with oh sorry he did share the ultimate fighter house with him said he was a good dude he was super young then when he was there yeah um but yeah it's a nice little stylistic fight brandon's still i think he's number seven so still sort of leap up the rankings opportunity for him and absolutely yeah i know he doesn't want to come too buddy buddy with cejudo though does he no, uh, but I think Sahudo said something like, I'll see you, I'll see you soon, bro, or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, he wasn't actually, there. he didn't do any interviews because he wasn't there in official capacity as part of like, you know, the fight of experience. That, you know, a lot well, of he was there with Paulo Costa and because um, his, his right. trainer is Paulo's Costa trainer. and Silva, Alex Silva, who was yeah. one of the guys fighting on the undercard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the, you know, who's that trainer with the white with the white with the glasses? glasses? <laughs> yeah, that's that's Henry's main man. Yeah, that's Henry's main man. And that's Costa's main man. Yeah, as well, yeah. So, uh, so um, I, I, I will find out his name and we will reveal all next week on the Fight Club podcast. Thank you, um, so much for downloading and listening. Uh, thanks to Footy for bringing us back all that goss and information, um, from UFC two four three. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a UFC to announce in Auckland next year at some point in the near future. That'd be really really exciting, uh, and something for us to look forward to and sit cage side at, of course. Um, but we've got to fly because footy's got to do some live updates of a basketball <laughs> game uh, but um, we'll see you again in a week's time Ka kite.